Hello and welcome back everyone to the Ideas Podcast. After a much needed summer break, we're back. As usual, I'm Tony Oldani and I'm joined by my two amazing co-hosts, Ophelia and Sina. What's up guys? Hello. Hello. So today we're going to come back swinging. We're coming at you a little analysis, a deep dive, if you will, on an article that piqued our interest a little while back. The article in question was written by an NPR journalist, Shruti Rajkumar, and is titled How to Talk About Disability Sensitively and Avoid the Ableist Tropes. That's exactly what we're going to do today and then some. But before we get into all that, we'd like to give a huge thank you to all the listeners out there who supported us in our mission. If you like what we do, feel free to donate over at buymeacoffee.com slash ideas. Without further ado, let's get into it. Right off the bat, the article starts with avoiding inspirational narratives. The problem with turning every disabled person into an inspiration is that it objectifies them. It makes them seem unlovable or incapable. The article uses an example of a disabled person being asked to prom. The problem by making this such a huge inspiration is that it makes the person seem unlovable or even incapable of achieving such a milestone. It later talks about the common narrative of overcoming disability. The problem with this is that it makes disabled people seem deficient or it almost dehumanizes them. It encourages the assumption that disabled people can't do anything and that they can't achieve anything and whenever they do, that this should be incredibly praised. To me, this was one of the most interesting sections of the article. I personally just thought that it's something that we don't really think about because, at least for me, I know that on like social media, Instagram, there's always those videos floating around of like, this is so adorable, this is so amazing, and a disabled person getting asked to prom or a disabled person standing up at their wedding. All of these things are videos that I've liked, videos that I've seen and also thought, oh my God, that's so amazing. But at the end of the day, it does make disabled people seem incapable of doing things like this. And it definitely dehumanizes them and it makes them seem almost defective. Yeah, I got to agree with that. The article later on goes into the infantilization of disabled people. And I feel like that bolsters that claim even further that it, this sort of behavior, this sort of language especially turns disabled people from a demographic that needs to be accommodated into a demographic that is now a spectacle of sorts. You sort of ogle at them and try to treat them as though, oh, look, you know, like uh, you've probably seen this before when people try to talk with people with invisible disabilities or cognitive disabilities, such as autism, for example, in like a more dumbed down way and like a, a infantilized way where it's like, oh, yeah, hi, hi, can you see me? Hi, all this stuff. You know that there are several testaments from people with these disabilities who just feel totally put off by this. And it's also off-putting to see once you know the damage that it does and the harmful rhetoric and just stigma that it perpetuates. You guys raised some great points and I definitely agree, but the article also talks about ways in which we can battle these ableist tropes. So firstly, they talked about centering disabled voices. And I think that's really important because you need to hear it from the people who experience it. You know, everyone can talk about disabilities, but it doesn't have the same effect if it's not coming from someone who has those experiences. Secondly, the article also talks about, and in their words, recognizing that disability is a culture and identity and not a problem. People shouldn't be trying to find ways to work around this and instead try and integrate them respectfully into the community. 
Lastly, it's really important to do your research. And what I think is really special about this is that everybody can do that. Everybody can do their research. Everybody can figure out what words not to use and what words to use and how to treat the subject respectfully. And it's a really simple and efficient solution. Now, with that, we want to move on into something a little bit more personal, a little bit more tangible for us and talk about our school, John F. Kennedy School. How do we handle accessibility? How do we talk about disability? How we talk to people with disabilities? One thing that this article doesn't mention, however, I would say it is equally important to talking about ableism, is the fact that language is only one front on which disabled people and marginalized people in general have to fight. There's also, of course, medical hindrances. There are logistical hindrances. There's all sorts of blockades and barriers that people, minorities in general, have to face when it comes to -to day-to-day life. And for disabled people, it tends to be just infrastructure, mostly. The article itself shows a picture of a parade in New York City, a disability parade of 2015 in New York City. And that struck me because New York City is one of the most notoriously anti-disabled, just horrible for people with disabilities at least mobility disabilities to move around in. I mean, there's train stations that are designated as accessibility stations. The real question is why aren't all train stations accessible? Why are there so many few and far between? Why do people with disabilities, something you don't have much control over, why are you being punished to take an extra trek just on account of how you are in that moment? Why does the government not take care of you? Why do you have to jump through all these hoops? Now, with that, We want to reel it back in, look at our school and think, how do we handle all of this? We can start with language. I definitely think that our school can improve when it comes to talking about disability. In my day-to-day life at school, I definitely hear some things where I would consider them ableist or definitely not respectful towards people with disabilities. We all know that there's a certain slur that we immediately connect with ableist language. And obviously when I hear a word like this, I immediately cringe. I think we all know the slur that is being discussed. And I think it would be really interesting to talk about where you hear it the most, what grade, what area of the school possibly as well. Unfortunately, I hear the slur all over. However, right now I'm actually thinking of another instance that happened to me at about eighth or ninth grade where it didn't involve this word, but it still made me really uncomfortable and I still thought that that was not okay. I was just walking to class and my classmates were there as well and somebody in front of us tripped or something and I heard behind me one of my classmates or someone from around my grade saying, oh, they probably have Tourette's. Or saying something along those lines. And I remember being almost confused because I couldn't understand how they made that connection and why they said it out loud. I can't comprehend why they thought that that was okay to say. And whether or not the person heard it or whether or not they were offended by that doesn't matter because the the fact that they said something like that and turned a disability like that into, into an insult is disgusting. Yeah, it's 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 quite disgusting. I've seen and heard several other instances of ableism. I'm sure you're not alone there. I think we've all witnessed it on a near daily basis. But I feel like I've seen a lot of it come more so from the younger grades. I'd say especially in high school, like ninth grade, 10th grade, that type of thing. Maybe even younger. I just feel like it has a lot to do with 
social media, of course, and just like the culture and the way that we've like stigmatized people with disabilities. And of course, like language that goes with that gets picked up by people. It's something hopefully people grow out of. And as, as Sina mentioned earlier, you know, people do their research, people become more aware. They realize what they're doing wrong. They realize that what they are doing is harmful and perhaps even deadly that we see some sort of change. But in terms of our school in other ways, what do you think we could do in terms of helping particularly mobility? Like genuinely, I need to think about our school right now. Because for example, I know that into the high school building, you have to go up like a couple steps or even go down steps. Like that's definitely not very accessible to get into like the main entrance for the high school building. And I think it's the same for like almost all of our like entrances. And even if you can get to the door, it's usually like a pole door, which is obviously if you're a person of disability who's in a wheelchair, then that's definitely not accessible. Like, I don't think they can get into any of our doors. Hey, I can't open them, like, <laughs> half the time. I don't know. Like, I think that it's just impossible to really get into it if, you know, you don't have someone to help you out, which is really, like, horrible because like, what are you supposed to do then? We all know that, like, JFK has elevators. The funny thing about it is really how you are able to get access to the elevators is so complicated. You have to ask for a key and then sometimes... I, I remember hearing a story where they just didn't have the key at one point. There was this one girl who got injured. She was using crutches and the administration just couldn't find the key. Maybe that's an organizational issue, but I just think overall JFK needs to work a lot harder on becoming more accessible. Definitely, because the product doesn't even lie with the elevators, but getting into the school on their own. Afuya, what do you think about that? Personally, I don't even think there's a single way to get into the school if your disability is that you can't walk, for example, because I know that for the main entrance to the high school, for example, there is a like step to go up to. And already this provides a literal barrier for people with disabilities. On top of that, most of our doors are heavy and you have to pull them to open them from the outside. And they're overall just not accessible for disabled people. Those are some really good points. and I definitely agree. But I would like to go back to when I was asking about where we heard the Arcelor being used, because I feel like this is also a very common example. But oftentimes in class, when someone got the answer wrong, or maybe they didn't do as well on a test, people would throw around the Arcelor because they didn't do as well. And that inherently states that if you have a disability or if that actually applies to you, that you're stupid. And I just think that's completely degrading and unacceptable. Secondly, I have another point that still talks about language concerning disabilities. JFK has certain accommodations for dyslexia, for example, and I can't even tell you how many times I've heard people complaining about dyslexic students getting extra time on tests and how that is quote-unquote unfair to the rest of the students. And that actually reminds me that in our previous podcast about the spectrum of discrimination, we interviewed a student who was talking about just this issue. And that just further proves my point. Now that we've identified, sadly, the problems that our school has, which, of course, I'm sure we're not alone. I'm sure a lot of schools, a lot of institutions generally face these sorts of problems. But of course, it's necessary to call them out and make changes. Now that we've identified those, I kind of just want to ask you what you think we can do to make them better. 
especially when it comes to the language front. What do you think we should do? Like raise awareness, um, classrooms, ideas, classrooms. What do you think we should do? Well, I think the points that the article had talked about, which I mentioned previously, about centering disabled voices, that also applies to JFK. We need to allow for the people who have experienced hatred against them to have the voice to speak up about it and be heard. I definitely agree with that, Sina. And I also think that we just generally need to expand our knowledge on what disability even means. There's so many aspects to it and there's so many types of disabilities. And like you also mentioned previously, there's so many different experiences and so many different people. Generalizing them just doesn't make any sense because you will only be scratching the surface. I just got to agree with everything you guys said. I think that definitely there needs to be work done in educating the student base and also just making basic changes that just make the classroom a little bit more accessible and accommodating. And thing is, because we only talked about the mobility front primarily, I think we should definitely expand into accommodating people with invisible disabilities, cognitive disabilities. I feel like they tend to be left out of the conversation a bunch because it's almost like your disability is not uh, immediately noticeable. So why should I care? Unfortunately, that's real sentiment and a lot of it gets ignored. So definitely those are the fronts I think we should all be working on. And I think that's about it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to the Fa'ain for sponsoring us and giving us these mics that help us sound crisp and clean. This was a fantastic episode. We hope to see you guys all in the future. This is the Ideas Podcast closing out. Bye. Bye.